You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. It is good to be with all of you all this morning. Let me see who I've got in the room today. Upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, Maybe if you're in your fifth year like I was when I graduated, raise your hand. Upperclassmen, all right. I feel like I can identify with you all a little bit. Uh, As was mentioned in the introduction, I recently got my PhD, which meant that I graduated in May. So I was an upperclassman until recently. I know what it's like, that difficult struggle. You feel like you're almost across the finish line, but not yet quite there. Well, I can tell you, you will get there. You will finish that race. So let's give a round of applause to our upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. All right, sophomores, where are you at? Raise your hands. Ah, yes, the middle children of college. I pretty much identify with you all as well. I'm basically in the middle part of life. If the average lifespan of an American is 80. I'm in my 30s. I feel like this is part two of four that I'm in right now. Basically, I've gotten to the point in life where I no longer don't know what I'm doing, but I can figure a few things out. I've got a beautiful wife. We have a five-month-old daughter, so I feel like I'm kind of figuring out what life is like, just like you all as sophomores. You're figuring things out. So I identify with you all. So let's give a round of applause to our middle children of college. And now, of course, last but not least, where my freshmen at? Raise your hands. Ah, some are hiding in the balcony, I see. Okay. Freshmen. Well, I'll say I also identify with freshmen, and I won't lie, freshmen are actually kind of my favorite. And this is because freshmen come into college getting very confused, scared, concerned, and in fact, even more so this year, I think, than any other time, at least in recent memory. And that's actually how I feel most of the time, most days. As was said again during the introduction, I got this job that I'm in last December. And it was funny, during the interview, they said, what do you think the most difficult thing will be in your first year? What's most important? And I said, well, you know, building relationships with all the presidents. And of course, obviously, no one asked me how I would handle a global pandemic that might threaten the very existence of college to begin with. You can't know what comes next in life. But one thing was for certain. I knew I had to take my job very seriously. And some days I have no idea what I'm doing. Again, to be honest and to be candid, it's not because of lack of confidence, it's not because of lack of preparation, but it's because of what life throws at you. See, my job is to advocate for good public policy that benefits you all, the students and institutions like Asbury, because I believe that college, an affordable opportunity, is incredibly critical for changing the lives of every single one of you in here. I think it's incredibly important that I do my job going to Frankfurt, or at least before the pandemic, and going to DC again before the pandemic, now virtually for most things, to make that case every single day. Because I think that what you all are doing here, getting the degree that you're getting, 
having the experiences that you're having is incredibly critical. And some days it can seem incredibly daunting, tough. And for me, I can get weary. But Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 tells us that those who put their hope in the Lord will have renewed strength and they will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not be weary, that they will walk and not be faint. This is the message that I have for you all today. To put your hope in the Lord. To run and not be weary. To walk and to not be faint. And I believe this because I am a believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I know that this is the thing to believe. But I also saw it in my life. My father grew up in abject poverty in a small village in Nigeria. He lost his father by the time that he was four years old. And he and my mother and their family had a decision to make. What kind of life would my father have? What kind of belief system would my father have? When he was 12, he gave his life to Christ. And it was around that time they decided he was going to get a quality education. He would live a life full of hope where his strength could be renewed in the Lord. And so he went to a school as was commonplace in those days in Nigeria with a cruel headmaster, somebody who ruled the school with an iron fist, the opposite, I guess you would say, of Dr. Brown and how he leads Asbury. This man was a cruel individual to my father. He would not give him the resources that he needed. My father would tell the story that from time to time he wouldn't give him his own bar of soap to wash his body because this was a live-in school. He wouldn't give him the proper food to eat, so he had to eat cockroaches for sustenance. And this sounds extreme, but this was the life that my father lived in poverty in Nigeria. And so he got that education, but he knew that there was more that he could do. There was more to life than what he wanted to do. So he started preaching, sharing the gospel via radio. So he'd get up and he'd talk on the radio and preach. His name was Sam Oleka. He had such a wonderful and sweet sound in the way that he would deliver the gospel. They called him Sammy Sparkle, which I think is a fantastic nickname. But he knew he wanted to do more, to be more, to provide more for the family he did not yet have. So he prayed about it, and he prayed about it, and he met a beautiful woman, my mother, and said, let's go to this place called the United States. Let's go to this place called America and live the American dream and see what the Lord has for us there. And so that's what they did. And they came here through an educational opportunity, a scholarship, to a private liberal arts college with a Christian emphasis, not unlike Asbury, where my father got the experience of a lifetime. He got degree after degree after degree. My mother got degree after degree after degree until eventually they settled here in Kentucky my father with a PhD, my mother with a master's and a nurse. And from there, my father became an academic dean, my mother a labor and delivery nurse. They put three kids through college, they bought a home, they lived the American dream, and their favorite, their baby boy, 
is standing in front of you today. This is the glory of God. And at any point in that circumstance, in that situation, my father and my mother could have gotten weary. They could have lost hope. They could have lost hope when they moved to Michigan and my father was forced out of a great job because of some people who didn't like him. They, they didn't like his ambition. They didn't like the ambition of a young immigrant from Nigeria. They could have lost hope in between when my two sisters were born, when they had a child that they lost a few weeks after birth. They could have lost hope in so many different instances and times in life, but they relied on Scripture that says you keep hope in the Lord so your strength can be renewed, so you can soar on wings like eagles, and you can run and not be weary. You can walk and not be faint. So many of you have a story just like that. So many of you are here either because you are my father's generation or you are my generation where you are what stands in between generational poverty and generational opportunity. I am here because I am the product of a quality education that my parents got that changed the trajectory of my life so that my little baby doesn't have to tell stories of her father who didn't get a quality education or had to live with a cruel headmaster or suffered some terrible injustices by an educational system. You all have those same life experiences, and it's true, life will be difficult. College will be hard. In fact, it is in this very moment, in this very time, as you all sit here, distance, you recognize the difficulty of college, the difficulty of life. When things are thrown at you that you do not expect, that you do not want, and in many ways you do not deserve. There are two pandemics that we're discussing in dealing with this year. One, of course, is the reason why you're socially distanced and why you have masks and why we're at a smaller capacity. This is COVID-19, the coronavirus, we all know it. But there is another one, and it is the racial injustice that so many in our country face. But even here, you can put your hope in the Lord. Jesus Christ himself was asked, as reported by the Gospel in Matthew, what are, or what is the most important commandment? And he was asked this as a test, as a trick, by people who are trying to capture Jesus in a lie, but Jesus, of course, a smart individual, fully God, fully man person that he is, responded in the only way that Jesus can. He said, well, most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. But then he followed it up and said the second, which is just and very much like similar to the first, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said this is effectively what all the prophets and all the law is built on. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now I have what might be considered a controversial position on this. The sports world might call it a hot take. 
I think the way that we interpret what Christ was saying in our daily lives is sometimes wrong. People use this scripture and they think about the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done to you. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it begs the question, how do you need to be loved? I mentioned before that uh, I am married to a beautiful woman. We got married September 10th, 2016. So we are celebrating four years of marriage this year. My wife, Jamie, and I need to be loved very differently. My wife is a wonderful, sweet middle school principal at Nativity Academy in Louisville. She teaches middle school kids that come from low-income backgrounds. This is her same background. This is how she grew up in eastern Kentucky. This idea of ending generational poverty is not just something that's important to me. It's central to my marriage. It's something my wife cares about a lot as well. As a new principal, as a young woman, oftentimes the way that she needs love from me is through encouragement. Tell her, babe, what you're doing is the right decision. How you're leading your team is the right thing to do. The difficult conversation that you had to have was the right one. Some people need encouragement. They need a blessing. They need adoration. And then you have people like my wife's husband who always encourage themselves, who always adore themselves and might need a little bit less encouragement from those around them. So my wife loves me by reminding me that not everybody is perfect and that everybody makes mistakes and that sometimes you need to think about the perspective of others. I share this because this is very different than how we've often interpreted the golden rule. The way that we each need to be loved is unique to each of us. And that is, in fact, what Scripture says. Love, the love your neighbor as yourself. But again, Christ told us that this was very similar to the first commandment, which says to love your God with all of your heart, with your soul, with your mind, your relationship with Christ, with God the Father, is an incredibly intimate and very personal one. The way that you love, the way that you express the totality of your commitment to the Father is very individual and very unique for each of you in the same way each of us need that same unique and individual love from one another. That is incredibly important for each of you to understand as college students in the midst of these two pandemics. Because if I was on your college campus as a black male, the son of immigrants, the way that I need to be loved right now would be different than the way that my wife would need to be loved, who is from Eastern Kentucky, who has a Filipina mother, a woman from the Philippines, and a white father from Appalachia. It would be different than the way that she would need to be loved. Different from each of you, depending on your background, where you grew up, what your skin is, what your ethnic background is, however you identify the way that you need to be loved and therefore the way that the people you interact with, the very people in this room need to be loved is very unique. It is in this spirit that you can change your community. 
You can change Asbury. You can change Kentucky. You can change the nation, and you can change the world. Because our hope is in the Lord. And it is the Lord who renews our strength, who allows us to run and not be weary, to walk and not be faint. And even that scripture is incredibly important to understand the ebbs and flows of life, of college, to soar on wings like eagles is a different speed, it's a different mode than to run and to not be weary and also to walk and to not be faint. Sometimes you're hard charging, you move quickly. You have a lot of exams coming up, you have a lot going on in life, whether it's school, it's personal, you need to soar on wings. Other times you need to move a little bit less quickly. So you run, but you don't get weary. And sometimes you walk. And maybe when you walk, you reflect. You think of others. You think of what you've accomplished. If you are an upperclassman, how far you've come since your freshman year. If you are a sophomore, the fact that you made it through your first year of college that ended abruptly and moved everything online and you made the decision to come back despite the difficulties and the challenges of what that could have brought. And as freshmen, you decided to be here at all. You made it through high school in similar circumstances and you came to campus, you took a chance. So reflect and do not think because you're not yet done. As uh, is in 2 Timothy, your race is not yet finished. You must continue to keep the faith. You still have work yet to do. And for many of us, it may not feel like we've accomplished a whole lot at all. I certainly was in that position when I was an undergrad. My first year in college was one of the most difficult years for me academically. I won't make anybody guess my GPA that first year. I'll just tell you. I got a 1.4. Can't see some of your faces. I saw some of your eyes. They did this. Yes. It is not a good GPA. And I had to make a difficult decision. What was I going to do? And here I am, thinking about my parents, my father, the things that they did that they went through. And here I have with this terrible GPA. And so I was faced with a difficult decision. And what I did was I focused at my college and I asked for help. I reached out to people to come alongside me to aid me, to help me get better, to give me the resources I needed. Because it wasn't because I couldn't understand the material for a lot of students, and I'm talking to college folks so you understand this, a lot of this is discipline. Can I take the time to read that extra chapter for homework as opposed to playing video games or talking on the phone or whatever it is that I am doing instead of what I should be doing? So I had to make those decisions. So I took some classes over. I did some things better. But also what I did, that was a period of time in my life where I had to walk and not to faint. And I tell you, it was hard. But I had to think and reflect 
on where I wanted my life to go. So I slowed down, I studied, I got better grades, and I thought about other people who might be in a similar position to me. And as my grades improved and I got more involved on campus, I was able to help other students who were in my same position perform better and to do better. And as a result, the scholarship organization that I was a part of saw a 12% increase in retention, meaning there were so many other students who could have flunked out, who would have flunked out, had God not guided me and said, use your experience to love others, to love your neighbor the way that you needed to be loved. It was inculcating, taking and receiving scripture and applying it in my daily life that allowed me to be better, that allowed my classmates to be better. And then I had the opportunity to finish strong, to run without being weary, and get significantly better grades. So I graduated with over 3.0. I ended up being student body president. I got my MBA and my PhD and I soared on wings like an eagle. And so I ask each of you, wherever you are in your life, whatever the difficulty it is that you face, if it is this pandemic that has touched you or a family member in a way that has been more significant, either through sickness or death, if it is racial injustice that has caused you to rethink how you've lived your life or to be concerned about how your life has been lived, or if it is academic struggles, whatever the challenge might be, I encourage you to lean into the Lord, to let your hope be with the Lord so that you can be renewed in your strength, so you can soar on wings like an eagle and you can run and not be weary and you can walk and not be faint. I see an incredible opportunity to make Kentucky better and to make this country better. And if it feels like no one on this side of heaven believes in you or believes that it's possible. Just know that I do. Again, I identify with each of you all in many different ways, the ways that I stated, but also ways that are unstated. And it's not just me. It's also the leadership here at Asbury. They believe in you too. So I encourage you to be encouraged. I encourage you to put your faith in the Lord, to trust in him so your hope can be in him and you can be renewed in strength. You can soar and you can run and you can walk. I thank you all for allowing me to be with you.